Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. Wednesday, brand new podcast, fresh out the oven. You guys, today's conversation is going to blow your mind hole. I feel like I say that a lot, but that's just because I only talk to people on the show who have important, transformational, eye-opening, mind-blowing things to say. So today's guest... Dr. Valerie Rain has discovered patriarchy stress disorder, or PSD, and created the only science-backed system for helping women achieve their ultimate success, happiness, and fulfillment by healing the intergenerational trauma of oppression. She holds an EDM in psychological counseling from Columbia University and a PhD in psychology from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. Her best-selling book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder, which is badass, by the way, and every woman needs to read it. Um, sorry, I got carried away. The full title of the book is Patriarchy Stress Disorder, The Invisible Inner Barrier to Women's Happiness and Fulfillment, has been heralded by Amazon reviewers as the most important body of literary work of our modern times and perhaps the most important book of the century for women. Her cutting-edge programs have helped thousands of women shift from survival to thriving and master the game of how good can it get in their work and personal lives. She, this woman is truly, truly brilliant. Her book was incredibly eye-opening. There is so much information in it that just, it just flipped the light on for me. I think when you read it, and even just this conversation, even if you don't read the book, I think when you hear her speak about patriarchy stress disorder, what that entails, and how intergenerational trauma works, I think you're suddenly going to feel in possession of uh, an entire new language. You're going to download an entire new way of thinking and putting words to things that you've probably felt for your whole adult life, even if you didn't have an inkling before now. At least that is how I felt. Like when I first heard it, when I heard the term patriarchy stress disorder, I was like, oh, I have that. I didn't even, I didn't even need, I didn't need a minute to think about it. I didn't need for her to explain it. I just belched. Hopefully that didn't come through on the recording, but you know, if it did, I'm just going to own up to it and we're going to keep moving. (laughs) Uh, But this book was just incredibly important and she shares a lot of her wisdom and expertise around how to come back to a place of embodied safety after 
our years and even the generations of collective trauma that we have in our DNA, that we have in our cells uh, as women. So it's really, really fascinating work. I think that it is incredibly profound. I would encourage you to acquaint yourself with her and her brilliance. In the show notes of today's episode, I am going to link uh, not only the book, but she has a Facebook page where she pops in for free and does sessions and shares and talks and answers questions. So that is one way to access her. And also towards the end of this episode, we talk about an event, uh, a virtual event she has coming up called The Thriving Experience. And it is a three-day virtual retreat where she is getting really, really deep into healing the collective energetic wounds around money and around um, just women's access to money. Women didn't even have access to money until I believe 1960 was the first time that we could actually open bank accounts. I know that seems insane because it wasn't that long ago, but a lot of her work is around this deep deep collective wounding that women have experienced for generations and generations in all of all of the ways from sexual to financial to spiritual etc 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 as the king of siam says that is a side thing that i probably shouldn't even take but if anyone watched the original king and i the musical with yul brenner and i can't think of her name right now the gorgeous redhead Oh, she was such a good singer. Um, anyway, it sounds like his thing. He would be like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That was, you know, wow. Okay. Anyways, back on track. This event is going to be incredible. The cost to attend is $0, ladies. So I'm going to be posting the link for this in the show notes as well. But you can also just go to www.thethrivingexperience.com to sign up for it. Uh, and of course, I will link the book and her website and all of her socials so that you can get in touch with her. And I urge you, I urge you to get in touch with her, ask her questions, sit under her wisdom. I just, I wish I had another word for a genius. She's a genius. I was going to say brilliant again. She's brilliant and a genius. Okay. Um, also incredibly good humored, very articulate, uh, phenomenal exotic accent to boot. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not going to give anything away. Okay. Just go listen and thank me later. Sending you love. Oh, Deborah Carr. Deborah Carr was who was with Yul Brenner in the 1956 musical version of The King and I. Okay, bye. Well, Dr. Valerie, welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I am so honored to have you. I'm fangirling just a little bit uh, because I'm such a huge fan of your work. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Kristen. I'm thrilled to be here. So for those of you guys who are just meeting and becoming aware of Dr. Valerie Rain, she wrote a book that changed my life called Patriarchy Stress Disorder. It is the invisible inner barrier to women's happiness and fulfillment. This is one of those books that like, as soon as I heard about it, as soon as I heard the title, I was like, 
patriarchy stress disorder. I have that, <laughs> but I didn't have the language for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start us right there. There's like so many things, but I think a lot of the listeners, this is going to be their first introduction to you. So I would just love mm-hmm. to have you just lay out what patriarchy stress disorder is, and then we're going to get like way into it. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, maybe for our listener right now, maybe you're feeling that in your body too. The moment you hear it, you hear the words, you don't even have to know what it is, but you know, you know, there is a recognition and that recognition is embodied is it is in our cells. It's in our DNA. It's in our nervous system. We're living in the world where it's never been safe to be a woman. It's never been safe to be a woman, not in our sexual expression, not in our brilliance, in other areas. We didn't have ownership of our own bodies. Need I go on? We can go on. <laughs> we can go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> we can go on. That rabbit hole runs deep. And it's not something that we... Um, walk around thinking about necessarily, but it lives in the body. The memories of that trauma live in our DNA, in our subconscious. And that's what PSD is, is the intergenerational collective trauma of oppression that forms this invisible in the barrier to women's happiness and fulfillment. Mm. So along those lines, this is the perfect place to bring up because even after reading the whole book, like one of the visuals and the scenarios that like stuck with me. And I think I even like told you, I had to like find you on Instagram to tell you how like haunting it was, was Mm. you shared in detail the situation where, or basically the research around, um, was it mice or rats and the mm-hmm. cherry blossom effect? Yeah. Let's talk about that. I want you to like explain that. Cause it gave me like chills and I was, and I was like, huh. like it basically just proved yeah. the notion of generational trauma, which I think that for a lot of people, that is something that has been, at least in my personal experience, for the listeners know that I come from a background of like purity culture, raised in the Bible belt, that kind of thing. But my mother had a very, very traumatic upbringing. And so that fear and those triggers came into obviously her parenting style and has a lot to do with my formative years and the rest of my brothers and sisters. But being from the church background or a spiritual background, a phrase that we were familiar with was generational curses, which sounded really uh, woo-woo and really kind of like, mm. eh, you know, it was kind of like, oh, she's like busy breaking generational curses. We don't even know what the hell that means. But then whenever I grew up and started getting therapized, et cetera, like generational trauma and like that kind of thing started to come up. So this was like hard proof that that exists. And it kind of put a visual uh, to that whole thing for me. Could you share with them about oh, that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. This, this study, I, uh, I came across this study when I was working on my book. And in this study, researchers introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to mice while simultaneously zapping their feet with mild electric shocks. The mice were then bred and their children and their grandchildren, when exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms, showed a strong fear and anxiety reaction. Still gets me. <laughs> still yeah, gets me. <laughs> still gets me too. 
PSD mm. is women fearing the smell of cherry blossoms. Mm. What is cherry blossoms for us? Is everything that we deeply and authentically desire that has been forbidden and not only prohibited, but also punishable for women on the patriarchy for ever loving who we love, owning our own bodies, having our own money, mm-hmm. being visible, being in our power has been prohibited and punishable. Women who reached for cherry blossoms were burnt at the stake, drowned, excommunicated, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Bad, bad, bad consequences. Not just mild electric um, shocks to the feet, a lot worse. So we carry a lot of that trauma intergenerationally. And now research shows us that there is nothing wrong with us, mm-hmm. that we're not holding ourselves back, that it's not that we need to think in a different way good vibes only, but there is something in our systems that we need to uncover and heal. But science is on our side. Science is, this evidence is so liberating, I find, because finally we can see we were born into this invisible in the prison. We didn't construct it. And we have the opportunity to break free. Yeah. Well, not I, only, oh yeah. Oh not no, only, go ahead. Yeah, not only trauma is genetically transmitted. That's exciting evidence. That's the flip mm-hmm. side of the coin. Healing is also genetically transmitted. <laughs> so we stand a chance. We have the opportunity to interrupt intergenerational transmission of trauma. How huge is that? Yeah, well, that mindset of it stops with us and this like wanting to be cycle breakers, this work mm-hmm. that we're all dedicated to doing. It's like there is actual data to support that that is not only powerful, but extremely effective. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. And I, you'll, you'll have to forgive me, Dr. Valerie, this is probably gonna happen a few times. I get excited and then I tend to talk over my guests, which is oh, not, oh, <laughs> please, please, please do. I do the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, but what about, um, so I actually, you, it kind of like stopped me. I was like listening through some episodes of your podcast this morning while I was on my run and you were sharing about how basically you were like for all of those women who have like spent years and years and years, like trying to better yourself and doing all of these like mindfulness practices and all, and like hypnotherapy and talk therapy and like all this stuff. And yet you feel Mm -hmm. like for some reason, like you still, it's something is still off. And you were like, for God's sake, like stop working on yourself. Like nothing is wrong with you. (laughs) Like the work that you're doing isn't hitting the root of the problem. And I just found that to be it's like everything that you have written has been something that like very deeply, like on a very deep level, I know to be true, but haven't had, this is like a conversation that I don't think we've had all of the language for. We haven't had all of the vocabulary to have this conversation. Yeah. So I feel like there's a couple, I'm like, there's a couple things. I like wrote a shit ton of stuff on over here. So one thing that I wanted to talk about was that this, this thought I feel like in this space particularly, I've created this as a safe space for women to share stories of experiences and traumas and limiting Mm -hmm. beliefs and the things that have kept them fearing their own bodies, fearing their sexuality, fearing pleasure, feeling Mm -hmm. like all of the juicy, ooey goodness of womanhood. Like that is what all of this is about. And 
I know that for some women, it's hard to regain access to this because Mm -hmm. we were born with a certain amount of freedom before it was conditioned out of us. Um, But then according, you know, also to this research, there is also um, something working against us that is literally in our DNA from the minute we get here. So even in our freest moment, even at our most Mm -hmm. uninhibited, we have this underlying thing that's like fighting Mm -hmm. us and holding us back. And I, I would love to talk about how this, um, how this trauma, and I also refer to it sometimes as like secondary trauma or Mm -hmm. borrowed trauma, how this presents in like the quote unquote average woman or the everyday scenario, because I think a lot of women in the space have experienced significant trauma, which is obvious. And so that's very easy to like put things onto where you're like, oh, well, I can't connect with my partner because of this, or I don't like sex Mm -hmm. because of this. And that's very obvious. And then there's those women who are going to hear this conversation and maybe for the first time ever are going to be like, oh, like I've always wondered what was quote unquote wrong with me because I don't have, I wasn't raped. I wasn't molested as Mm -hmm. far as I know. I didn't have any of these more aggressive traumas yet. Mm -hmm. I exhibit signs of trauma. So can we talk about the signs of trauma and then all of that? Yeah. And that, that was me too. I was in therapy for years and years um, on the quest of figuring out what's wrong with me ever since I was a little girl. Uh, that quest that was propelled by the messages that I was getting don't shine so brightly. Well, they didn't say that. They were like, no, don't, 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 don't be so smart. You know, people don't like that. No one would want to marry you. Um, or don't wear this. You you look slutty. Or don't mm-hmm. wear that. You look like a nun. Or you look good. That means you lost weight, et cetera, et cetera. And so figuring this out took me down the path of psychology, of course. Mm-hmm. And then years and years in therapy. And what was so baffling for me, and that, that was a huge trap that I was stuck in, was... Yeah, I, I'm a hard worker. I am sure all your listeners are. Like it takes commitment to listen listen to podcasts, to to read books, to invest in our personal development. And despite all this hard work, like I worked hard with what I knew and what I was learning. And I have two graduate degrees in psychology, and then neither one of them did they talk about trauma um, as being intergenerational and as being collective? There was no mention of the trauma of oppression. There was no mention of the body. And and my training is fairly recent. Um, I graduated in the 2000s already, right? Um, And let alone the therapists who have been practicing uh, for for longer time. But what what I want to say is when I was in therapy, I was just getting more and more in a place of despair because despite all this hard work and studying all these things, I wasn't, my anxiety was not getting any better. Uh, My depression was not getting better. And I was despairing because my conclusion was, well, something, I must be so broken that literally nothing works for me. What is so wrong with me that nothing is working? And 
for me, understanding that trauma shows up in ways outside of what we were taught trauma as a life-threatening experience was the biggest breakthrough in liberation. Yes, there are capital T traumas that are life-threatening experience, and there are a ton of little t traumas that still live in our bodies and still affect everything in our lives. And actually, when I was in therapy and I didn't know about other kinds of trauma yet, I kept thinking, well, maybe I am repressing something. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just don't remember. Maybe I was raped. Maybe I was molested. Maybe some, some like really aggressive things did happen to me and I am just not remembering. So I was just like, okay, let me go to hypnosis. Let me go do all these things. Ah, so infuriating because of this lack of information, this lack of knowledge. And now, thankfully, the, the knowledge and information is beginning to get out there. And um, you asked me about symptoms of trauma. The biggest one is really, well, first, let me define trauma as I've grown to define it. So it's really clear. Trauma is any experience that made you feel unsafe, physically or emotionally in your fullest authentic expression <laughs> and led to creating trauma adaptations to keep you safe going forward. And we all have had tons and tons of those that we have experienced. Many of them we don't even remember because they were like, they weren't big events. And we inherited a ton of those as well that we don't even have awareness of at all except our bodies know and that's how they manifest through the body through the subconscious mind now we know from neuroscience that our actions are decided in our subconscious our actions are decided in our subconscious it what we think doesn't matter as much as we think. <laughs> if the subconscious perceives something as being unsafe based on the trauma that we've inherited and experienced, we're going to create a trauma-based response to it. And then the mind is going to rationalize it afterwards. Let's say you had an experience in kindergarten where you were doing show and tell and the kids laughed. Maybe they weren't even laughing at you, but at that moment you felt like disappearing, you, the blood rushed to your face and you just wanted to shrink and crawl into a hole and never come out again. And now you may not even remember that or you like, oh, it happened a long time ago. It doesn't affect me anymore. Or I work through this in therapy. Talking through it doesn't equal working through it. Mm. Because talking about it doesn't actually reach embodied levels of healing trauma. So we carry a lot of unprocessed stuff. And now let's say you have a public speaking opportunity. You uh, And all of a sudden you have 50 tabs open on your browser and you're doing social media research instead of mm. sending that email and the mind, yeah, and, yeah, and the mind rationalizes it. Mm -hmm. The mind goes, oh, yeah, you need to do your research. But the, the actual mechanism is that your subconscious accurately, based on that trauma, reads the experience as unsafe. Trauma adaptations jump in to prevent you from going there. And we 
describe that as self-sabotage, but it's mm -hmm. really, you, you said it's working against us. It's actually working for us. It's working to protect us, to keep us safe. Safety is the number one um, agenda, always, always, always. And trauma, trauma is very, very powerful programming. And, and if we want to actually move toward our authentic desires and move toward living the life of our authentic desires, we need to understand that these desires are very, very well protected. Even knowing our true authentic desires, let alone moving toward them because it's never been safe. And that's how trauma really manifests by us, quote unquote, getting in our own way. And I, and I hate that formulation. I hate that the personal development world is making it about, again, us being at fault, making women feel guilty and ashamed is like shooting fish in a barrel. We're, <laughs> we've been conditioned to feel guilty and ashamed of ourselves throughout patriarchy. So if you take nothing else out of this interview at all, I hope you take this. It's not your fault. Nothing is wrong with you. Mm. And refuse to bite the hook or rather you can't really opt out of biting the hook until you've done trauma healing work. It's not going to happen. But notice when you're getting triggered and understand that it's not you. It's not you um, who, who, who is anxious. You're having an anxiety response because it's a trauma-based response. It's there to keep you safe. And yes, the conventional model will keep you on medication for the rest of your life. And there is deeper healing if you're interested in actually setting yourself free, and it starts with understanding that you are not broken, you are actually functioning correctly in this world where it's never been safe to be a woman, reactions such as anxiety, depression, and quote unquote, holding ourselves back, or, or not being able to experience sexual pleasure are completely appropriate because they come out of the fight, flight, freeze reaction. Mm -hmm. mm. I I have this thing that happens to me where when someone is speaking truth or, or I am speaking truth, I get goosebumps all over my whole me body. Too. I get like a body buzz. So like every hair on my body is standing up. Um, I'm resonating with that so deeply. And I like have a couple things like firing at once. So I'm going to try and like slow it down and get these out in a coherent way. The first one is that based on everything you just said and for the, the women who like the, the emoji with your brain just exploding, like that's fine. That, that's also me. Um, basically this whole monster package we've been sold, especially those of us who are like trying to fix ourselves, air quotations. Um, you know, we've been in the self self healing space. We've been doing all this self work. We've been, you know, especially the, the Tony Robbins generation, right? It's like everything you just said basically means that the mind over matter, uh, situation is a crock of shit <laughs> because mm. that's a very, um, it reminded me of something else that I've heard you say in interviews before where, uh, a lot of these like systems, the very like bureaucratic head, heady, mental, everything that's like the neck up is patriarchy. Mm -hmm. It's like very patriarchal. Oh, yeah. And so that whole like mind over matter, like it's, if you're not doing it right, you're sabotaging yourself, your mindset's not right. Like you yeah. just have to get your brain right and everything else will fall in line. Um, that's false. That's completely it, false. Yeah. And that doesn't and empower cool. us. Yeah. Because it's and a it, dead end. 
it's a dead end. It leads to further disconnection and it perpetrates oppression because the conclusion is something is so wrong with me. I'm doing all right. this shit. I'm doing all this mindset work and it's not working. And it's not working on me. It, so what's wrong with me that I'm so busted that this thing so, that apparently works for everyone else exactly. like, doesn't work for me. Because people are so busy pretending that it's working for them right. because right. They, and they're, they're in this disconnection. Mm-hmm. It's so painful and it's so cruel and it's so, ah, it's it's time to come out of the silos of shame where mm-hmm. patriarchy and other systems of oppression have locked us um, and speak our truth. Nobody is broken. Everybody is having this human experience. There are tons of trauma for us to uncover and heal. It's true for women. It's true for people across the gender spectrum. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of racialized trauma. There is a lot of trauma based on a lot of generational experiences. Everybody has unique experiences in their lineages, and we all have some shared ones as well. Mm-hmm. So why are we... Um, going down the the track of fixing ourselves because it serves the systems of oppression. Mm -hmm. Because if they convince you that something is wrong with you, you're going to keep yourself locked up in a silo of shame. You are not going to link arms with your sisters and patriarchy will stand forever. Yeah. Well, and so that whole, you said talking through it doesn't equal working through it, which for a lot of people was probably um, overwhelming to hear because we're all told like, Oh, well, if you have trauma, like you just need to go to therapy. You need to talk to someone you need to, you know, and there's all these women who've probably spent years in therapy and are like, why do I still disassociate during sex? Why do I still get triggered by certain things that my partner does? Or why do I feel locked down and shut away from my own pleasure? Why do I have trouble connecting to my own body and and my own sensation? You know, all of these things are happening. Um, you, in your book, you refer to, uh, this internal system that keeps us locked down as prison guards. Would you explain what a prison guard is and what they're doing? Yeah. So I use the metaphor of the invisible in the prison when I talk about patriarchy, stress disorder, and other and other traumas as well. And in the system, prison guards are those trauma adaptations. Remember what trauma is, is any experience that made you feel unsafe physically or emotionally and created trauma adaptations going forward to keep you safe. So I refer to them as prison guards. They show up in the mind, in the body, and in our actions. In the mind, they show up as stories that hold us back from knowing our truth, from living our truth, stories about Uh, well, the flavor of the imposter syndrome, the inner critic, who do I think I am? I can never have that. It can happen for somebody else, but not me. Something's wrong with me looking in the mirror and uh, always being self-critical. It's not our fault. It's not our invention. It's not about looking in the mirror and saying, I love you till you're blue in the face. Um, It's really not going to penetrate deeply into the layers of this trauma. But it starts with understanding that the reason why you look in the mirror and you always think about what's wrong with you versus really relishing just having an ecstatic experience of being in your body, seeing your hotness, that's unconditional, doesn't depend on how much you weigh. Oh yeah, when I lose the weight, then you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll be hot. You know, you yeah. are hot. You 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 are smoking hot. You're you are amazing and your body is built for pleasure and it is embodied pleasure. 
Um, but what, what separates us from going there are these trauma defenses because it's never been safe. It has never been safe. And a lot of us have traumatic experiences around sexual expression. And when I started unpacking my own trauma, going deeper into the rabbit hole of PSD, there are layers and layers and layers and layers come to our awareness as we have capacity, as we have capacity to heal. Uh, just talking about it doesn't really, it actually can lead to re-traumatization. Um, so in, and there are a lot of stories about experiences. So in my unpacking, I came to the conclusion in my own experiences and then I believe it's true for women, especially considering intergenerational trauma, that there is no woman, or, or I want to say every woman carries sexual trauma in her system. Mm -hmm. There is no woman who hasn't had a traumatic sexual experience, and they range. I'm, I don't necessarily mean we have images of violent rape. I don't necessarily mean that as as we already established there is capital t trauma there is lower right. trauma but every woman has experienced unwanted sexual attention well you could have been followed you know for a block yeah. or two that made you feel afraid for your safety mm -hmm. and for your body you could have been catcalled repeatedly when you mm -hmm. didn't do anything to deserve it you could have had any any form of unsolicited attention or even just aggressive energy directed towards you that you didn't ask for or weren't prepared yeah. for can leave yeah. you feeling shaky and yeah. cold and afraid to be in your body. Absolutely. And it's even more subtle than that. Um, there is something that lives in our bodies, even if we haven't experienced direct feeling unsafe. Every time that there is an unwanted sexual attention in, in the way of like a glance, right? Mm -hmm. Even something activates in the system and trust yourself that that is true. Don't override it. It signals that it's never been safe for a woman to be in her body. And this is something for us to heal. And that is an explanation why we're having difficulty accessing our deep pleasure and enjoying our own embodied experience. So when, um, so I also have a lot of thoughts going on at, at once. So I'm <laughs> a little circular here, but in my own unpacking of my experiences, I unpacked a lot of stories that I created around unwanted sexual experiences as being, well, but it wasn't a rape. Yeah, no, I didn't want to have sex with him. Oh, yeah, but it wasn't a rape. But it was coercion, mm -hmm. but it was a deeply traumatic experience that disconnected me from my body. I can literally chart my experience, my embodied experience before and after having my first unwanted sexual experience. There have been many unwanted sexual experiences. None of them could be classified as a rape but they were all unwanted mm -hmm. and, and the stories were, but yeah, but you know, we were kind of, you know, flirting or I, I didn't say no. And now that I understand trauma and I've been doing my own healing for, for years and I can speak about it and I can let women know, well, there, there are so many 
ways in which these trauma adaptations are protecting us. Mm -hmm. And some are creating stories and others are having the embodied reaction of fight, flight, freeze. If we are feeling unsafe and we cannot fight, we cannot run away because it's not socially acceptable, right? Oftentimes Mm -hmm. that shit kicks in and we go into freeze as that final defense. We cannot even say no. We cannot even say no. And then a lot of women blame ourselves like, yeah, I didn't, but I, I didn't, but I didn't say, because we couldn't, but all this trauma, right? We need to actually unpack it so that we can see it with compassion, with understanding. It's not your fault. It's never your fault. And so that we can begin to heal it. And I want to add on to that because women in those scenarios who don't say no, they don't say no because they feel like if they say no, it's not going to matter. And the situation is going to happen anyway. And that is, it's another protective mechanism. It's like, if I don't say no, then I can't just, then I can't, my brain, my body, like I, I can't say that this is rape because I didn't say no, but like, you know, that it's going to happen and you can't do anything Mm -hmm. to stop it and you feel powerless. And so by you not saying no, you're like, well, if I didn't resist it, then I am kind of going along with it and I'm not yeah. actually having it done against my will. Yeah. Like I was complicitly kind of involved. It's like it's a way da- of damage like, control. It is. It is. It's yeah. like we're trying to convince ourselves that like yeah. we somehow wanted it so that we're not being harmed. We're not having violence done yeah. against us when that is what's happening. We're disassociating yeah. in that moment. That moment yeah. we decide not to say no, we're disassociating so that we can escape from what's actually happening to us. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And that's just like, mm-hmm. it's so, yeah, it's so brutal. And I, I, I just, I appreciate you for sharing your own, your own personal experience mm-hmm. of having that happen. And even for mentioning coercion, I think that that doesn't get brought to the conversation enough where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, if, um, again, like if you didn't say no, and if you didn't do this, and if you didn't do that, and I've said this before, I've gone on record many times as saying like, mm-hmm. I don't care if you were naked and you were making out with them. The second that you decide that you no longer feel safe in the situation and you don't want it to happen like if it happens anyway, then you've been violated and you've had violence Mm. committed against you. And so just like really validating women in those experiences where they lost control and they didn't feel that even safe enough to, to, um, to fight back or to to get out of it. And again, it's not our fault. It's our subconscious that, that, that makes that decision for us. Mm -hmm. What is going to actually protect us in the moment most effectively? Trust that your subconscious always makes that decision for you. That's going to prioritize your safety, Mm -hmm. prioritize your safety and survival. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's painful to be bringing up these experiences Mm -hmm. and also trust that your body knows and your body remembers, even that the, if the mind has, created stories around it. Like it wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, It happened a long time ago. It doesn't affect me anymore. Or I worked through it in therapy. That's my favorite. Uh (laughs) Uh, Not for the lack of trying, right? Right. Like me too, totally. And a lot of compassion because that's what we know. Like you said, like something happened, you go to therapy and, and therapy can be really, really helpful in many ways, Mm -hmm. but it does not resolve embodied trauma unless your therapist is specifically trained in embodied trauma resolution. So I just want to say, trust your body. If you're having that experience of not being in your pleasure, having trouble with arousal, and 
don't blame yourself. There is nothing wrong with you. Like if you're having areas of numbness in your body, that's your body remembering something from your lived experience or something that you inherited. Yeah, your mother or your grandmother yeah. or your great-grandmother. And even collective, collective mm. trauma. Every time we tune in the news and we see violence perpetrated against women anywhere in the world, our system goes triggered. It's unsafe to be a woman. That message gets reinforced. So what we can do is understand that there's nothing wrong with us and track those. I, I call that the invisible in the prison. Learn to see the invisible. If we can see the invisible, we can do the impossible. The impossible that should have never been impossible, that is having a full embodied experience, full ownership of our bodies, full ownership of our full expression and our sexuality and in every aspect of our being. And it's not utopia. This is completely achievable with trauma healing. Mm-hmm. which you're really experienced in. And that brings me to my other yeah. question, which is around, you talk about, um, you know, working to reestablish embodied safety. Like that's yes. the answer to these traumas, these micro or, you know, macro traumas that have happened yes. are locked in our bodies. We've talked mm-hmm. it out and we've touched touched as much as we can with talking. So how do we get in and reestablish embodied mm-hmm. safety so that we can yeah. reconnect and come back into our bodies? Um, it's a great question and it's an, it's an intricate process. Um, it's not a do it yourself project. I just want to really frame it as such because it requires safety. And when trauma happened and got imprinted as traumatic, they experienced overwhelmed our capacity to cope with it emotionally. That's why it went into the body and it imprinted as such. And to heal it, we need that capacity for this experience to be brought up and reprocessed. And that capacity, we, we gain it through working with a safe and qualified container. It can be one facilitator who, again, is trained in working with embodied trauma processing. It can be a group container. In our programs, we run um, this container as a group and we find it extremely, it just extremely potent in this work because it's like plugging into the um, the mainframe from from a laptop you go into this huge network the capacity increases many many fold when everybody is on this journey plus we teach the tools of how to increase your capacity by rewiring the nervous system there are specific mind body tools that we teach progressively on how to recognize when we get triggered how to work on our our system with our system not against it but with it with our natural biology and actually use those defense mechanisms those protective mechanisms to keep us safe on our journey not keep us safe by holding us back and so in my book i do describe my five-step system i call it the jailbreak system that's a compilation or distillation over over 20 years of my search and research and um experience and guiding women on this journey and working in my own in the lab incessantly that work continues for me every day and i don't anticipate it ending ever but with each level healed there there are new levels of freedom gained every step of the way so this system 
does outline the journey and I share some starter tools that you can start implementing yourself and start experiencing shifts into greater safety and greater capacity already and to go deeper into levels of trauma, that's when you need uh, that's when it's not a do-it-yourself project. Right. Even I, I cannot work on myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like being a heart surgeon. It, it doesn't serve you when it's your own heart. Right. You need an experienced uh, facilitator to guide do. and hold space for you. And yes, and absolutely. Ground you. And I, I'm blessed um, with my partner Jeffrey, who mm-hmm. is um, a phenomenal life partner, and happens to be also a phenomenal facilitator of somatic and energy-based trauma work. So we support each other. We we also don't operate on on ourselves in this work. (laughs) (laughs) That makes perfect sense. And, um, you know, for all of you, I will obviously link the book and uh, information about your your group um, containers and experiences that they can um, participate in, the ones that are open to the public. Um, I would love to share that information. And, um, before you go, I am going to have you talk about, um, the thriving experience, which is coming up Mm -hmm. soon. But the last thing that I like, I'm really interested in is we've kind of discussed this. Uh, I think all women listening have, have related to some piece of this conversation where even if they didn't have the language before today, like they have recognized patriarchy stress disorder in their Mm -hmm. lives. Like now that they have what it's called. So there is also though, something that does happen because this is so ingrained in us. It's so conditioned. I wanted to talk to you about what it looks like when PSD is perpetuated by women onto other women. Can we talk about Mm. that? What does that look like? How does that Uh, present? That's huge. So I'm going to say something that's going to be so triggering. (laughs) Everybody get ready. Hold on. Buckle up, take a deep (laughs) breath, put your feet on the ground, you know, feel you feel the support of the furniture, look around. It's actually like one of the first ways to establish safety, right? Look around, send the message to your hindbrain that the, the, the territory is clear. Like actually move your eyes around, listen for the sounds, smell, taste, touch, send the signal to your brain. Everything is, everything is good. You're safe. You're, you're good. But you can't just say to yourself, I'm safe because the, the hindbrain where the trauma gets actually, um, the, the survival programming gets activated, doesn't understand the language of words. It understands mm-hmm. the language of experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, take a moment to have the experience of settling into your body, settling into your breath, settling into your environment. Okay. Um, and I'm going to share with you that it's women who primarily perpetrate and uphold patriarchy. right let's just scream about everybody Ah, 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 just scream it out Ah, 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 so much you know i just want to be like ew david (laughs) so much so much rage and despair about this Mm. but it's 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 been the most effective a weapon of oppression, divide and conquer, patriarchy that traumatized women into thinking something's wrong with them, then the outcome of that is, okay, so I'm judging myself because I'm not okay. Therefore, I'm going to judge other women based on the same exact matrix. 
And it's, and it's so painful because that's not what we want to do. It's so painful. We're doing all this work. We're completely pro-women and sisterhood and the divine feminine, all that good stuff. So it's so painful when it comes up in our system and we compare and despair and we judge and we judge ourselves and we judge others. It's not our fault. It is not our fault. It is not our fault. Let's breathe. Let's settle into the gravity. Let's settle into the breath patriarchy stole from us a huge resource that I didn't even know I was missing my entire life until I started experiencing it. And this resource is sisterhood. Mm-hmm. And if you, you would have mentioned it to me a few years ago, I would have said, no, I don't, I, I don't need that. I, I grew up taught not to trust other women because mm-hmm. they will steal your boyfriend. They will stab you in the back. They will. And, and, we, we all have experienced massive traumas from the feminine, mm-hmm. massive traumas in our own families, from our female bosses, from our mm-hmm. girlfriends throughout, right? So huge compassion and understanding that the real perpetrator of these traumas is patriarchy. The real perpetrator is the trauma itself. So we stand to heal. We stand to reclaim this huge resource of sisterhood that is free of judgment, that is free of patriarchal conditioning. And again, it is not a pipe dream. We actually see it happen in our community. And I keep healing deeper layers in myself of being able to trust women, being able to love women, letting that love into my life. It's gorgeous what happens when we get on the path of being able to do that. And, you know, if any of you are, con- are confused, I don't, I don't think you are. I think you probably felt that, <laughs> felt that. I think you probably felt that at the level that I felt that. I've had like ripply, um, like chill waves ever since uh, she said that, which is so funny because I read the book. So I, kn- I knew that was coming, but it still hit me <laughs> when she said it out loud. It was just like, oh, for the love of God. Um, because we, it shows up in our, unconscious and in our trigger reactions to other women. When we feel threatened, when we feel triggered by someone living out liberation in a way that we currently haven't been able to access, or if we see someone shining at a level that we haven't felt safe enough to shine yet, or like there's so many ways in which we react against women who are you know, they're living, they are finding these levels of healing and it triggers something in us. It makes us feel some kind of way. And the next thing you know, we turn into this like raging, jealous bitch that we are not innately. We do not mean to be, but she comes out. But it's not personal. What you said is completely true. And there are, there are prison guards that are protecting the collective as well, protective the status quo. And so when our subconscious sees another woman shining brightly in the area that where we haven't gone yet, as you've so astutely pointed out, so it feels unsafe to our system and the system goes, no, she can't do that. She's going to get us all killed. Yeah. Who is she to do that? How dare yeah. she do that? But the, the mind creates stories, but the, the, the gut reaction, the hindbrain reaction is she's making us all unsafe. She's going to get us all into trouble. It's not what we think. We think other things. Yeah. We think different stories, but it's, it's for protecting 
the, the mechanism is to protect all of us because it's never been safe to shine. It's never been safe to be fully expressed, to make money, to be loved, to be adored, <laughs> to be, um, yeah, authentically expressed in every way. So breathe. It's not mm -hmm. you. <sighs> we are having, I'm having like a major, um, deja vu moment. Mm. Like we've had this conversation exactly before. Like I have been here before. Um, and I, that this is like inception layered shit guys. It's so it's like, <laughs> we have this reaction. We're like, okay, we're having this reaction to this other woman. And it comes out as jealousy. The patriarchy is who tells us that that reaction is jealousy, that we don't think we're as good as her, that we're like, mm -hmm. we, we're, we don't like her because she's prettier than us or because mm -hmm. she has a better body than us or whatever. But really it's our bodies, it's our trauma, it's our cells, it's our DNA, mm -hmm. like trying to keep us safe. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so wild how so we wild. are living out even, I mean, we don't even know it. Like we're unconsciously living out these stories about competition that aren't even true. Like mm -hmm. we, they're in our bodies. They're not true. And yeah. And the stories of, um, a good body, what is a good body? Who a has good body? a better body? body Who has get, a yeah, the body <laughs> that gets you from point A to point B is a great body guys. Embodied experiences is, is a miracle. And there is so much to unpack there. So it runs so deep. I keep on unpacking that stuff and, um, and sharing on my podcast. Mm -hmm. Thank you for mentioning it. Yes. I always forget to mention that I have a podcast. The it's, Dr. An amazing, podcast. it's an amazing podcast. Thank I will you. also link that in the ah. show notes because you guys need to go listen. And, and um, a YouTube channel where, where I'm sharing every week some, some hot topic. And uh, one of the hot topics is the body. And right now I'm focusing on the hot topic of money because you mentioned the thriving experience coming up. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to have, um, every season we gather for a free, it's a free experience and it is a commitment. It's for two and a half days. We do a deep dive into unpacking and healing layers of trauma of oppression living in our bodies collectively with other women on this journey we create this safe and sacred container it's a curated experience mm -hmm. everybody fills out a questionnaire we make sure there are no random people in the room who will be just there with their arms crossed sitting in the back none of that happens everybody shows up to play to heal to show up full out and it's gorgeous and this experience we call it the thriving experience you can learn more at the thriving experience.com please don't keep it a secret <laughs> invite invite women to join you on this journey if it resonates with you this season the topic of this one coming up is money mm. reclaiming and healing our relationship with money and it's very hot it is very necessary. Just notice how your body reacts to the word money and reclaiming and healing your relationship with money. What comes up in your body? There's a lot that's going to come up for us. We're going to use this as an opportunity to open up healing. And the biggest embodied experience probably that you're going to take out of it is something that you're getting intellectually now, but it's not sinking in deep enough. I know. Um, I, I, I just know you hearing that there's nothing wrong with you. 
right now is just on the intellectual level. It's not sinking into your body. Yeah. You're like, thanks, but yeah. I still yeah. think that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you're I like, I appreciate need... that, Dr. Valerie, but I still kind of Well, feel maybe like that. when I when I lose 15 pounds, then, <laughs> then it I'll will be better. more more true. But right. not. Yeah. So <laughs> but in the experience, you'll start to viscerally go there. Uh, I'm not going to reveal all the magic that we do to to help us experience that. But well, just come, know, just come. Yeah, just, just don't take up. my word for yeah. it. Yeah, even don't don't even take the word of women who've experienced that and shared mm-hmm. in the testimonials at thethrivingexperience.com what happened for them. Don't believe anything. Come, experience is the best teacher. Your body will be the guide. And your presence will uplift us all and will be a huge contribution to our collective liberation Mm. because your freedom, your freedom depends on everybody else's freedom and everybody else's freedom depends on your your freedom. freedom. Mm. So to create a free world, free of oppression, free of inequality, we must embody the change we we want to see in the world first and foremost. Mm. Well, and love and sex and pleasure and money are all energies. They're all energies and nothing holds as much conflict and shame as Mm. sex other than money. And like, uh, yeah, so, so hot, so true. So for those, for so those of well you who said. are like, how does this correlate? It's like, if you have a sex issue, um, my guess is that you also have a money issue. Cause I can tell you personally <laughs> that I, more so than pleasure or any of the other things, like we all come mm-hmm. out with our thing. Right. You know, whereas mm-hmm. I have, I feel like I've been, um, divinely like equipped to handle the sexuality stuff because Mm -hmm. that's my calling and my purpose. So I believe that I came out like with everything I needed to like get over my hurdles and like get through to that so that I can empower other people in that money is my thing. Like everyone has Mm -hmm. a thing and money is my thing. So, um, I can tell you guys, I will be, uh, setting aside some time to do this experience. So if you guys want to come along with me, yes, it's going to be wonderful. And Dr. Valerie, I literally kind of wish that I had started with this uh, because it got so juicy here at the end. And so I'm definitely going to have to have you back because I have like <laughs> so many things going on. I'd that love this that. all ties to. It all, it's all connected, you guys. It's we can connected. definitely do part two. Okay, great. I would love that so much. But I just am so grateful um, for you and for your brilliance and for your dedication to this work and for the powerful tools that you were getting into the hands of women through your work. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm so excited to have had you and honored to have had the conversation Mm -hmm. and I will be sharing all of your stuff in the show notes for everyone so that they can connect with you. Um, is there a platform that you love to connect on the most where women can find you? Yeah. Well, we connected Instagram. All right. That's that's my favorite playground. Yeah. And, um, those who want to just dip their toes in, uh, download the first chapter of my book. It's free on my website, drvalerie.com forward slash book. Dip your toes in, see if the water is warm for you, if it's resonating. And if it is, dive right in and join us for the thriving um, experience. The, ch- the cherry blossom story is in the first chapter. So you will not be able to back out after that. Like you're going you're gonna to have to. Um, but Dr. Valerie, I just, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so much. So grateful. Hand on my heart. I know that the listeners have gotten a ton of value and probably a decent amount of discomfort out of this conversation, which is always really productive. I'm really happy to do that for people. You're welcome, guys. (laughs) Thank Thank you. And I will have you back really soon. (laughs) I'm excited. Thank you, everybody, for hanging with the discomfort and the possibility. And it's a pleasure changing the world with you. Mm. Hey. 
Thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least, shaken things up in a productive way. Ann Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.